go. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, that what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk with your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all else, these put, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Meditate on these words for a few minutes, please. Lord, may your words sink in, take hold, and truly change our nature. Amen. So we began this series back on August, or excuse me, April 16th. April 16th, we started this right after Easter. And we named all the fruit of the Spirit that was presented to us by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 5. And we saw in that list of fruit of the flesh and all its consequences, outcomes and everything that is the nature of the worldly person. And then Paul calls us to new birth and new life in Christ with a commitment to 
being more than that. He says to us that we're free in Christ and no longer slaves to the law of the flesh, which was the law by which the Jews lived. And it was a way of disciplining the flesh in your own strength. And he says, you're free from that. You don't have to discipline your own flesh to be right with God anymore. You, in fact, have to simply walk with Christ. Go where he's going. Do what he's doing. And in so doing, you will take on his nature. You will begin to become more like Christ in your new life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And this is freedom because it doesn't require anything but that you devote yourself to Christ, whatever it costs you. So this last word in the list of fruit of the Spirit is kindness, and it is like his kindness. This is a word that doesn't require a great deal of of, uh, extrapolation. The word seems to mean pretty much what it says, except that it's a quality of God's kindness that we're striving for. God's kindness is the kindness that could best be likened to when the parent looks at the child and and just cannot help but be warmed. You just look at your kid and you just love them. You look at your bride, man, and you just love her. If you've been married 50 years, you still see the bride of your youth and the heart warms. God looks at us in the same way. He sees us with this kindness that makes him want to just pat us gently with his mighty hand. Remember that Jesus was kind to everybody, but he had the authority and the power to command the weather to shut up. He could tell a storm to knock it off, but he could touch you with such gentleness because his kindness compelled him. So what is the kindness that is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it's kindness like God's kindness. It's a a warmth. It's an affection for the people of God especially. He really, really wants the family to be kind to its members. I don't have to talk about this much, but I will remind you, and if you've been a a part of this church or any other church for more than 10 years, you have seen unkindness among people of God. You have. It happens all the time. It happens on some level every Sunday. Someone says an unkind word, (laughs) probably about me, (laughs) but... Kindness is a quality that God is particularly desirous that his family would have with each other. You know, when you're a parent or a grandparent and you see your children squabbling with each other and you worry that they are being unkind to each other and you think to yourself, they are siblings, they're flesh of my flesh. I want them to be kind to each other. There may not be any other person that they can rely upon like they can their blood relative, their sibling. And you know, those of us who have gotten older, we've appreciated our siblings a lot more 
than when we were at home with them fighting over stupid things like what channel to watch on TV. You just have to take my word for it, young people. There used to be maybe three or four channels. And someone had to get up and turn the dial on the TV. And whoever did that was in control and there was plenty to bicker about. And so our moms and dads would look at us with this kindness and wish that we would have that same kindness for each other. This is what the fruit of kindness is like. But now that I've said that, I want to move quickly to kind of summarizing this whole series because I have heard from many of you that it's been quite a blessing and I thank God and praise him for that. It's been a blessing to me to preach and teach it. And so let's remember that the primary purpose that Paul has in pretty much all of his writing is to remind us of the freedom we have in Christ and to call out those people, Judaizers, he called them, who were trying to make early Christians become law-fearing Jews first in order to be better Christians. And so it was as though they were blending the old and the new and trying to somehow make them coexist in a way that was incompatible with the very nature of the gospel. The gospel's good news because what isn't good about receiving the greatest gift that any human could ever hope for, eternal life because you've been forgiven by God whether you deserve it or not. And that eternal life for free. Who doesn't like free things? When you hear about something free, especially something of great value to you, then you cannot help but think that's good news, which is what the word gospel means. And it's not good news if it comes with legalistic rules and regulations for you to follow. It's not good news if it demands something from your flesh that your flesh isn't capable of. And that's Paul's message. The fruit of the spirit he wants you to understand is what happens naturally because you gave up striving to be the perfect Christian or a good person. You stop trying to win the approval of other people in your church or in your workplace or wherever it is that you want to be admired for your good character. Good character from God's point of view comes when you die to that very person of the flesh who would be proud of his good character. Good character, according to God, comes from him. He embeds it in you when you're born again in nature of the Holy Spirit within you. And I know what it's been like to hear about these gifts and wonder why you can't do it better. It just grates at you to hear that you need to do it better and that you're not supposed to try to do it better. And so it's very confusing and and it sounds like a contradiction, but that's Paul's point, that the gospel by its very nature is a contradiction. Everything about Jesus is a contradiction. That's why people found it so difficult to accept him. It's why they will find it difficult to accept you if you are born again and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. 
Remember what Jesus said, the world hated him before it ever started hating you. And if you love him, it's going to hate you too. And the hate may sound like a harsh word, but what it really boils down to is, is if you reflect him to the world, some will be transformed by the Christ within you that they encounter, but most will be repelled by him just like they always have been. It hasn't changed since they condemned and crucified him. So don't be surprised then if it sounds contradictory for you to take on his nature. And his nature is this freedom that Paul wants you to embrace. How do you live like Jesus wants you to live if you're not trying to live like Jesus wants you to live? How do you do that? What Paul would like you to understand is, is, well, Paul's given me permission to go back to my dog story. (laughs) Last week, I told you about my dog and how the faithfulness went from a nugget or a seed of faith to a total devotion over time and how this would be the way to interpret faithfulness to Christ in you, the Christian believer. It begins with the kernel of of faith. And then it turns into complete devotion. Well, let me tell you one more thing about my dog that should help get the point across. The way you live in the freedom of Christ is to be like my German shepherd. You know what? She watches everything I do. I won't lie, sometimes it's annoying. If I scratch my nose, she looks. If I pull something out of my pocket, she's deeply interested in it. Every time I come home from being with you, she has to smell all of you on me to see if there are any new smells for her little catalog in her head. If I move from one end of the house to the other, she's right behind me. If I go outside, she's with me. Wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, she watches me. She's watching the expressions on my face because I'm her master and she loves me and she is completely devoted to me. I don't deserve it. Christ does. And if you get what I'm going with this and you've already jumped ahead of me, then you realize that to live the freedom in Christ that the Apostle Paul speaks of is to not try to be a good Christian, but to follow him constantly wherever he goes, whatever he's doing. Can you say that you are as attentive to Christ, your master, as my dog Bella is to her master? Because that's how you live in the freedom of Christ. Her whole life is dedicated to the fact that she would rather be with me than anybody else. Sorry, kids. She loves you too. My point is, this is how you live in the freedom of Christ. You watch where he's at work. And you join him in it. You listen to what makes him joyful and happy. And you do that too. And you see what makes him sad. And you join him in dealing with that too. And if you're not sure how to do this body of Christ, you are his expression. 
And wherever you feel that you are with a really spirit-filled believer, you can hear him speak. Wherever you hear his word proclaimed, you are hearing him speak. When you open your Bible, you are hearing him speak. If you join with the body of believers seeking the Holy Spirit so that you can follow the Spirit, the Spirit comes and the Spirit leads. And by the way, when I get back from vacation, we're going to spend the rest of our summer talking about how early Christians follow the Spirit wherever the Spirit leads. So let me wrap this up so, so that I can conclude this series and take you to the Lord's table. Let's just do a quick review of the fruit of the Spirit to make sure that we understand not what we are going to try to do, but what we can look to as indications that we're getting closer to being as devoted to the master Jesus as my dog is to me. First love was the one that was listed in Paul's uh, Fruit of the Spirit, which is this irresistible affection for God and therefore irresistible commitment to everything that God loves. And then we learned that Paul exquisitely describes that love in 1 Corinthians 13. So write that down and go back and reread it many times. Then there's joy, which is not about how you feel. It's not happiness. It's not about your circumstances or any people that you know. Joy is best understood as an eternal perspective. You see things from God's point of view. And that's not limited to a span of 70 to 90 years. Peace is harmony, an absence of hostility, first between yourself and God, which he creates through Christ. We will celebrate that at the Lord's table. And it is peace that we want to express to each other because we are his body. Patience, which is this willingness to suffer for the cause. The willingness to bear much because it's worth it to suffer for his glory, for his namesake. Kindness we just talked about, and it's his kindness expressed in each of us toward each other and to a world that just doesn't really want to like Jesus or his followers. Goodness is a big, big concept that we spend a lot of time on, but basically what it boils down to is, is you're not good until you're born again. And then you're good because his goodness transforms you. You wear his goodness. And that's what the Lord sees when he looks at you. Faithfulness is, as we just talked about a moment ago, not about German shepherds as much as it is about going from a little bit of faith to an extraordinary devotion that can only be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You won't be able to accomplish any of these in your own strength. Gentleness is the kind of gentleness that God gives when he gives you the soft touch when in fact you deserve a slap upside the head. That's gentleness from God's point of view. And we are to give the same gentleness even with people who persecute us and abuse us. 
we don't return evil for evil, but kindness and gentleness and self-control, which is the next one. And it turns out that self-control is impossible without the Holy Spirit. And so when you find yourself pulling the weeds in your garden so there's more fruit to grow in the spirit, it's because self-control was one of the fruit that gave you the strength to pull those nasty weeds. And it's sort of a conundrum. Embrace the Holy Spirit, find yourself doing something you didn't know you could do, and then give him all the glory for it. And that returns us then to this primary purpose of Paul, which is that you would live in the freedom of Christ. Live in the freedom of Christ and then watch what he's doing and join him in that and do as he does and then marvel at how you find yourself bearing fruit you didn't know you could bear. Because he has a way of making you more than the sum of your parts. And that's how you know. The Holy Spirit is transforming you. It's the only reason that I have any business standing in front of you now. Because of what he's done in me over the last 50 years or so. Transforming my nature and bringing to life in me fruit that I could not have borne on my own. And if there's any good in that, if there's any glory to be had, it's the Lord's glory. And it's the goodness that comes from him. Let it be so in all of our lives. Amen.